Welcome to the Mindful Miri podcast, because women should be seen and heard. Now let's take a moment to drop inside. Inhale through the nose. Long, loud exhale. You've got this. Here we go. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Mindful Miri podcast. This week on the show, we have Julia Parsik. She is fit, fat, and all that on Instagram. Her passion is to educate girls and women to live a life outside of diet culture, to be aware of media manipulation, and to embrace their true selves. She believes that all bodies are beautiful. Amen, sister. And that all foods can fit into your life. And that being healthy looks different on everyone. So let's ditch the diets and learn how to eat intuitively, exercise because we love our bodies, and unlearn what we've been taught about our ideas of beauty. Let's feed our minds, bodies, and souls to live a more purposeful life and meaningful life. We are so much more than our bodies, and it's time we start to realize it. Welcome to the show, Julia. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I am loving your website and your Instagram. And you came to my attention because our values are very much aligned. I think that we are helping women break free from diet culture. So tell us a little bit about how you started down that path. Yeah, so I kind of unintentionally found myself in the eating disorder recovery space back when I was 24. I'm 33 now. I was living out in LA at the time and I decided I needed to go through my own eating disorder recovery. I'd always struggled with my body image and my relationship with food and movement. And I decided it was about time to figure that out and heal that. So I started to openly share my recovery online and surround myself with the women empowerment space out there. And people just started following along. And I just once I recovered, and I've been recovered from my eating disorder for about eight or nine years now. And yeah, I was just like, I really love this space so much. I love empowering women. I want to help women get to a point where I'm at now. And I decided to get my coaching certification in eating disorder recovery coaching. And I did that for a while and just created this platform. And here I am. Beautiful. Tell us a little bit about where your eating disorder, sort of the journey began or the recovery began, whatever you'd like to share. Yeah. So I was around 13 or 14 when I started struggling with my body image and self-esteem and my relationship with food. Eating disorders are just very prevalent in my family. I grew up in a very supportive household. Like there were never any comments about you need to look this way or anything like that, but just seeing how the adults in my life treated their own bodies and their relationship with their own bodies and their own judgment towards their own bodies really affected me. And I was also being bullied about my body. And I was going through puberty at the time. And, you know, we go through stages and we gain weight and, you know, all of that stuff. And I just started to think that I needed to lose weight to be in this world, to like have a space in this world. And that lasted for about 10 years. And it morphed and changed into all different kinds of eating disorders over that 10 years. And it wasn't until I was out in LA and I was 24 at that time. And at that point, I didn't think I had an active eating disorder. I wasn't actively purging 
or binging anymore, but I was super into my fitness pal. I was counting Tic Tacs and gum and, you know, just ridiculous amounts of food. And I was just so consumed by it. And I think I had gotten to a point, I was pretty stressed because I just kind of moved there on a whim, picked up my life and quit my job and decided to move out there. And I remember thinking like, I can't keep going on like this. Like I'm tired. Like I'm so tired of hating myself. I'm so tired of being uncomfortable in my body. I'm so tired of being consumed about what I'm eating and all of that stuff. And so I was just, girl, like we got to figure something out. So I was just like, we're going to take charge. And I sought out an eating disorder therapist. And I even told her, I was like, I don't think I have an eating disorder anymore. And after like, I filled out all the forms and she was like, I definitely think you do. (laughs) And that just kind of started that journey. And I worked with like a registered dietitian and just did like my own kind of outpatient journey. But yeah, I think I kind of got sick of my own shit. (laughs) You have to hit a point where you do. Otherwise, you're not going to change. Yeah. I'm very grateful that I was just tired of myself and like my own thoughts. And Uh yeah, I was like, I need more space in my brain. This is too much. Yes. It totally is so consuming and exhausting. It is. I was just, oh my God, this is just too much. Like I don't even have capacity to worry about other things in my life. Right. So tell me a little bit about you. You kind of touched on picking up and moving abruptly. So tell me where were you living? Tell me what prompted you to move to LA? Yeah. So I never thought I'd be like someone that moved to California. I I was always more of like an East Coast girl. Like I could always see myself living in New York City. And my sister was living in LA at the time. And she was working for a nannying agency. And she had followed a boyfriend out there. And we both broke up with our boyfriends on the same day, like unknowingly, we both called each other. And I was like, I broke up with Andrew and she had broken up with her ex. And I had also decided that I was going to quit teaching. So I went to school to Michigan State for elementary ed. And I was a second grade teacher in Detroit public schools. And I was just burnt out. I'm so tired. I literally only did it for a year. I got sexually harassed by my 65 year old principal. And I was like, I broke up with my boyfriend, quit my job. I was like, I need something new. I'd spent my entire life in Michigan. I think it's time that maybe I just start this new venture. And I just kind of on a whim was like, okay, I think I'm going to move to LA. My sister's like, come out here. And so I moved out there. I lived with my sister for a month. It was absolutely horrible. We hated each other. I don't recommend living with your sister. I love her to death, but it was horrible. (laughs) And then, yeah, I started nannying out there and just nannying for this amazing family that I actually just saw in Chicago this last weekend. They're still in my life. And yeah, just decided this was just like a new chapter for me. Wow, that is abrupt, but it was. (laughs) It was was the universe aligned, aligned for you. Like it was meant to be. It totally worked out. And yeah. I had a job lined up before I even went out there. It was just like so perfect and aligned. And I kind of did the same thing when I moved to Denver. I feel like a pull to move here. And I literally knew one person. And on a whim, I just moved here. And I've been here for six years. So. Oh, I love Denver. I just went there for the first time a couple weeks ago. Yeah. It's so funny that I hadn't known that you were in education. And my business partner in Denver, actually, and I are starting a company to help teachers prevent burnout. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Because we are just seeing teachers left and right going on medical leave due to stress, burning out, changing professions. My business partner herself is a school psychologist and she burnt out. I have been very close to burning out repeatedly. I mean, I have burnt out, but 
I've been very close to quitting. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. It's a hard career to be in. And I like, I loved it so much, but I was like, I'm going to find a different way to teach. And I still work with kids. I have a curriculum called the Confident Kid Collective. And I use like a lot of this stuff from my eating disorder recovery coaching because I'm really passionate about also implementing like body image and self-esteem and coping strategies and stuff into the school systems and just like working with parents and kids because I just feel like a lot of the stuff that I went through in elementary school could have been more supported if I knew how to cope with my own anxiety, if I knew how to have stronger boundaries, if I knew that my body changing was normal. So I'm super passionate and still very much wanting to work with youth and stuff. But I was like, ah, the teaching space. It's just, I feel so bad for my fellow teachers. It's a hard job. Yeah. It's a really hard job, especially post pandemic. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you abruptly, you know, things were shitty in Detroit. You had your first year of teaching. You decided to move to LA, moved in with your sister, bad idea, but you got there. Yes. (laughs) And then did you start your body activism, I guess, in LA? Yeah. So it was probably a couple weeks into nannying. And I've always been like a huge proponent of therapy and just kind of being in that space. And I was telling my mom at the time, like, I am just so stressed out. And I decided to kind of, again, start my recovery out there. And I kind of also had this realization that I'm following all these like really triggering accounts. Like I'm following people that are just constantly dieting all the time. Like, fitness influencers, like a lot of food pages on paleo, like all that shit. I was very into CrossFit at the time. And I just remember thinking like, I need to do a little purge of my social media. And I was like, I need to find a better space to be in. And that's kind of when I recognized that there is this space of body acceptance and body neutrality and body positivity and just all of these other spaces of women empowerment. And I made a great connection with someone that was kind of a big part of that space out in LA at the time and just started going to like women empowerment events and health at every size kind of events and all of that type of stuff. And it was just this like awakening to being like, oh my God, there's a space that supports where I want to be, which I feel like LA could be really problematic (laughs) if you're not on top of it. And I even told myself, I was like, if I'm going to be in LA, I need to get on top of this because it could get really bad here. Yeah, for sure. I'm from Southern California, from San Diego, and went to Santa Barbara, UC Santa Barbara first for undergrad. And I live in San Luis Obispo County, which is sort of, you know, I'm a little outside of that, like hustle culture and the diet culture that comes with it and all of that. But it's still, I mean, I don't think anybody's immune to it now because of the internet. But I think it's really, really in the water in SoCal. And there's just so much pressure on women, especially. And it's starting to affect men too. Oh my God. The marketing, the marketing is affecting or they're targeting now. They're like, oh, we have this whole other half, this other demographic and let's target them with body washes and face like regiments and make them feel bad about their abs. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I mean, it's like just prevalent across like all genders and it's just LA can be really toxic if you let it. I mean, I think like any place, but like, I mean, it's just like the mecca of body image issues. <laughs> yeah, it really is. There's so much wrapped up in your worth. I mean, the messaging down there is just, you need to be wealthy and thin, right? 
gosh. And I like going out, my roommate at the time is complete opposite of me, like very thin, blonde, just very little. And I would go out and there would be times where I would be standing right next to her and men would be talking to her and wouldn't even acknowledge me, wouldn't even say hi to me. And like, let's be honest, I am in a very small plus size body. Like I'm a size 12, 14, which is considered honestly mid-size, to be honest. And at that time, I was probably like an eight or 10 out there. And I'm just like, I'm a size eight or 10. I'm just, I wasn't being let into clubs sometimes. And it was just insane to me. I was like, this is so disgusting. And I've had so many friends. I have a lot of plus size creators and influencers that I'm friends with. And it happens all the time, but they don't get let in in Miami, in New York, in LA. And there's like, oh, this is our policy. And it's like, what, to be fat phobic? <laughs> and how do you know that it's because of your body size? Because they would let other people in around me. They would let my friends in, but they wouldn't let me in. Oh, okay. So it's straight up like the friends come. It's not like very, somebody very on bold. the list. Yeah. Oh, wow. Gosh. And you're gorgeous. If you're listening to this on a podcast, I mean, objectively, you're gorgeous. So, you know, and really, can we look at Ashley Graham? Hello? Like, yeah, it's just like, it's so wild to me that it's just, why are we saying people can't exist in places? Like, why are we making these outlandish rules about who can come in and not and like also who's the decider of what's attractive like you know everybody has an attraction to a certain look or whatever we can all say like this is what I'm attracted to like everybody has their own flavor and I know plenty of people that are into large fat bodies and that's what they're attracted to and it's just I mean I have this conversation often on my platform of the reality shows the dating reality shows drive me insane because it's like there's no diversity on any of these shows. Everybody is in a size four and under. And I'm just like, you do realize that people find other bodies outside of this, what we see in the media, attractive and would desire that. And so it's just, we need to like do a little fresh up. Yeah. A little housekeeping. idea, yeah. yeah. Tidy up the belief systems out here. Well, and I think that also translates to being inclusive for other marginalized groups, you know, so people of color, disabilities, yeah. neurodivergence, and trans. And love, love on the spectrum. <laughs> Such a great show. Oh, yeah. I'm like, that's the type of dating show I want to see. I love it. <laughs> yeah, like 100%. I have so many friends. I have a friend that's disabled and I'm like, I want to see someone that doesn't live in an able body on these shows. Like I want to see the reality of the world that we're living in and like black bodies and not just the ones that are deemed as the most attractive. Like I just want to see everybody included. Yes. Yes. And our standards in the US for who is worthy of going on TV are different than in mm -hmm. Europe. You know, you see, I mean, I have to say that, you know, most of Europe, like the countries are pretty homogeneous. So ethnically, they're all pretty much the same. But in terms of, you know, their look and their size and things like that, you know, you can have bad teeth. And beyond. Yeah, absolutely. you know, you can have, quote unquote, I should say, bad teeth or yeah, you know, no, not absolutely. gleaming white and not perfectly orthodontically straight and still be on TV. Yeah, it's really whatever's in the water. 
And, you know, I think we have made some like great strides, but I'm like, we have so much farther to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So something that I've been running into is, you know, the idea that perhaps I'm promoting obesity in some way. <laughs> how would you respond to that? Or how do you respond to things like that? Yeah, I mean, I get that often sometimes when I talk about especially like intuitive eating, it's like, oh, you're promoting an unhealthy lifestyle and promoting obesity. And most of the time, the funny thing is, is like, those type of people pretend to be so concerned about other people's health. It's like you're not actually concerned about other people's health because the thing is, is we can't tell if someone's healthy based on how we look. And frankly, it's not really any of your business, like what somebody else's health is, right? Like you don't need to be policing other people's bodies, health or food that they put into their mouth. That's just weird. And I just typically respond with, you know, go ahead with your fat phobic ideas, but that's not what I believe. And you're entitled to your opinion because I don't really like to engage with that type of stuff. But I think it's just people that have misinformation about obesity and healthy bodies coming in different shapes and sizes. And I just think a lot of these people just aren't even aware of the prevalence of eating disorders and how detrimental they are to one's health and the fact that they have the second highest mortality rate of any mental illness. So it's just like, we're over here spewing like, oh, you're promoting obesity and fat bodies are gross. And it's like, do you know how problematic that is to say that? And it's also none of your business. And why do you care so much what someone else does with their body? You know? Yeah, it's more about what you, I think it might be more about what they want to see and what they don't want to see. And that change the channel, move yeah, away. <laughs> what they're comfortable with and something whether it's my content or someone else's, it's like clearly my content triggers you and your triggers don't have anything to do with me. That says a lot more about what is coming up for you. So it's not really my problem. <laughs> yeah. As my husband would say, sounds like a YP, like a your problem. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And they, it really does. <laughs> so you've moved, you've tackled your eating disorder, you've been you know, in recovery for close to a decade, right? And coaching others, sharing your wisdom and your experience. If you could go back and tell your younger self something, some words of encouragement, some words of wisdom, what would you say? Oh, man, there's just like so many things that I would tell my younger self. Invest in Apple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I think the biggest thing for me is just Everything that you think is important or is going to be important in your life are the least important things. The way your body looks, like what you're eating, how much you're exercising, like what size pants you're wearing, like none of that matters. And I would honestly just tell myself, don't worry, your life is going to be so big and beautiful and you're so resilient and so strong, like you're capable of doing anything and existing in a smaller body isn't going to make any of your life easier. In fact, it's going to make it a lot harder. Yeah. The sooner you own it, I think the sooner you can transcend all of that and just be happy. Yeah. I mean, this is the happiest I've ever been. And also simultaneously, the biggest I've ever been. And if I would have told myself that at 14, mm -hmm. I probably would have been like, absolutely not. I do not want to exist in a size 14 body. Like I would have been so freaked out. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, girl, it's okay. <laughs> You'll survive. <laughs> yeah, in fact, like you're going to thrive. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it sets you up for things like aging, where you don't have control over those changes to your body. 
And if you've come to a place of acceptance in your 30s around that, then how beautiful will your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s be? Exactly. And, you know, it's not to say that, you know, with aging and the way your body starts to change and shift when you kind of go into certain parts of your life, like the way my body looked in my 20s is, you know, the weight distribution of my body in my 30s is very different. And not to say that there aren't moments where I'm like, oh, this is different or this is a little uncomfortable, but it's like, I look back at other people in my life or some clients that I've had, and I'm just really grateful that I started that journey of acceptance and neutrality way earlier in life because I just, that was a big part of me wanting to recover is like, I don't want to pass this on to my children. And I sure as don't want to live an entire life feeling uncomfortable in my body. Like how uncomfortable is that? And I just was like, no, that's not going to be my story. Yeah, that's beautiful. That was a turning point for me too, is I kind of looked back. I think I was like 30 at the time. I have spent 30 years obsessing or at least 18. Uh, that 30 years. I know, 22, 22 years because I started when I was eight obsessing. Yeah. So I've spent 22 years on eating disorders and diet culture and feeling bad about myself and, you know, shame and just guilt and blame and just hating my body. And I was like, I got to get my shit together before I have kids. Yeah, good for you. Not pass this on. So that was really a turning point for me. What do you do to renew yourself or what lights you up these days? Honestly, spring around the corner. I love being outside and being in nature. I'm someone that if I'm feeling low or I'm just having like maybe a lower mental health day, like going for a walk is honestly the best thing for me. And I don't know if you like watch my stories ever, but I'm just like a big proponent of turning on your music in your kitchen and just not giving a shit what you look like and just having fun. I'm just like all about joyful movement and self-care and just nourishing my mental health in those moments. Beautiful. So in my body freedom community, we talk about body freedom as feeling light, healthy, confident, free, being able to walk down the street in a burlap sack, feeling great, being able to strut your stuff, no matter how old, how small or thin or large or tall or whatever. What does body freedom mean to you? I think for me, it's like this just level of just comfort within my body. I have a lot of sexual trauma. I struggled with that eating disorder for 10 years. I just spent so much of my life being so uncomfortable in my body. And for me, it's just this like feeling of being home and being safe and being comfortable in my body and just like this effortless feeling like I don't have to try anymore. I think for so long, I like tried to fit in or I tried to like, feel like I had a place in this world. And now it's just like, I just know. I just know I do. Oh, that's beautiful. Awesome. Well, is there anything I haven't asked you that you'd like to share? No, outside of, yeah, currently I'm not doing coaching, but I do body image support groups, which just like light me up and make me so excited. So if anyone is ever interested in body image support groups, please reach out because I love holding that space. Beautiful. Where can we find out more about you? My Instagram is fitfatandallthat and my website is fitfatandallthat.com. Awesome. That phrase is like, I mean, <laughs> up with it, and she was like, "Girl, where are my royalties?" So, yeah, like, trying to Go figure mama. I know it was like awesome, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. We'll have all of those links in the show notes. 
and check out Fit That and all that on Instagram and her website. If you're struggling with body image, please reach out and get some support anywhere you can. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Mindful Miri podcast. I do what I do so that others feel less alone in this world. If this episode resonated with you, I invite you to like, follow, review, and share with a friend. That helps us reach more people and impact more lives. If you're looking for words of wisdom, a community of care, and mindfulness and fitness practices, please check out our Mindful Miri app. There's a 30-day trial and you choose your price. Check out the link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and may you be peaceful, may you be safe, may you be happy, and may you be seen and heard. You go, girl.